yes, we can do work on ourselves. We ought to, certainly. But there shouldn't be this narrative that we have to do it all on our own before we are allowed to access love, right? Before we're allowed to go out there and actually receive from another person. Welcome to the New Shoe Podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa Cornell. I invite you with love into this space to learn and grow with me. And for a brief moment of the day, come home to yourself. How do we get the love we want? If you're struggling in relationships, looking for love, or in a solid relationship, but always looking to learn more about how to deepen your bond, this is the episode for you. I speak with my wonderful friend, Vienna Farron. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and beautiful soul. Her work and words run deep. Vienna has a way of making the most profound concepts simple and available. She will open up ideas about how to deepen into relationship, not only with those around you, but also with yourself. I wanted to start with a question that I am really interested in because I sit with hundreds of of people in group and the same themes keep coming up again and again and again. And so in your work, Vienna, what are the themes that keep come up the most? What is the most common thread that is cu- that is present with all of the couples that you work with, with respect to the struggles of relationships? And maybe if there's something specific to now, to this time, that would be great to hear. But what is the sort of underlying theme, the underlying thread that you see again and again and again? Certainly, COVID has amplified things. The, the time right now can feel really intense for many, but There's so many directions that we can go with this question. And I always bring it back to our self-awareness and our relational awareness. So, you know, most people will present and they'll say, you know, we have issues with communication. That's probably something that is present in any relationship. And I hear it all the time. But when we actually zoom in on that further, right, what there's a breakdown in actually understanding the self and understanding the other and then understanding the system. I'm a systems theorist, if you will, right? I'm a systems therapist. I, I work with, even when I work with individuals, I'm still working uh, with them within the context of the systems that they have been a part of and the systems that they're a part of now. And we tend to lack awareness around our programming, our conditioning, the blueprints, um, our operating system. And for me, I look through the lens of our family systems. For me, it's wildly important to understand where we came from. Obviously, there's plenty of things that we experience along the way that can happen outside of our family systems, but I really love to spend time in understanding our origin stories. And I think many of us do know the story right we can we can retell we can recount we can we can explain who a parent was or who who the adult was in the system or who the sibling was but we don't necessarily take the time to actually experience and feel and consider how those things have come along with us and so when you ask that question right we can talk about communication we can talk about conflict we can talk about intimacy we can talk about finances we can talk about the in-laws, right? All of these things that can absolutely show up and are, are common. But what I find in every single one of those areas is that we have to always tune back into the self, 
the other and the systems that we were a part of growing up. So um, yeah, that's, that's my work. That's where I go. Um, and that's where I find so many of our blocks is that we are not usually aware of what's driving, why we do what we do, why we choose what we choose. And, and who we choose, why we react the way that we react, why we disconnect or crave for connection in the way that we do. So I'll, I'll pause there because it's a mouthful, but I, hopefully that makes sense to everyone who's listening. Yeah, no, that's, that's so beautiful. And I think that that um, doing your own work first before you start examining a, a relationship to understand how you're showing up um, is so important. And I think I've been really fascinated lately by the idea of reparenting or understanding at least why we have the beliefs that we, we have and feeling like maybe they're not so fixed. Maybe our personality, maybe we have a disposition, but our personality might be informed by an experience that we've had. And as an adult, we get to choose we get to choose whether you know we will continue to react in a certain way to a certain trigger or whether we can decide you know what i understand why i react that way i understand where it came from and now i have a choice as to whether i want to continue to react that way or not um, can you talk about that process of acknowledging recognizing patterns and then what do you do to sort of unravel those so that patterns that could be disruptive or harmful or, or hurtful or painful can lose their grip a little bit um, on your decisions, on your actions, on your relationships. Yeah. I, I do really believe in our capacity for change. I believe that anybody can, can create change. It just has to come from them, right? If we're caught in this space of trying to change others, we're probably not going to get there, but I have the honor of getting to witness and watch and observe and walk alongside of so many people who are on this path of creating change in their lives. And so when you say it's not just this fixed thing, I agree with that. What we have to tune into, right? And, and sort of what I, was, what I was getting at before is these origin stories, right? These, these stories of how our beliefs become ours. And so I, I always talk about how like, you know, when we're kiddos, when we're tiny little humans in this world, we are getting so many of our beliefs and our narratives, um, expectations from the adults in our lives, right? Parents, caretakers, and we absorb those as our own. Of course we do, right? When we're three years old, we're not like, hey, parent X, I don't agree with what you're saying. You know, like we're not challenging those things. We don't know how to challenge those things. And so what we tend to do is we absorb it as truth. And because the adults in our lives are meant to be, they ought to be safe and secure humans, right? We go into that believing that what they're giving us is, is truth. Our job as adults, and I think you were, you were saying this so well, Vanessa, is, is, is that we have to begin to examine those things, right? Some of, I always say like, not everything that was given to us is ours to keep, right? Not everything that was given to us is ours to keep. Our job is to examine this and to explore what it is that feels true, that is resonant with us, 
right? And what are some of the beliefs that we have to release and, and let go of or shift or see that like, oh, that's actually unintegrated, right? That that was something that was passed down from a generation or many generations that came before me that I don't actually agree with, right? And so, you know, what, how do we begin to do some of this processing work? You know, for me, I think there's so many different pillars of life and there's so many different areas that we can examine from our beliefs around gender, our beliefs around sex, our beliefs around intimacy, conflict, communication, vulnerability, education, money, et cetera, right? Like that list can go on and on and on. And so as adults, we tune into to say like, what are the messages I received around this? And some of those messages are going to be explicit, right? And some of them are going to be implicit, right? So some of them might've been really clearly spoken to you as a child. Here's the expectation of you. Here's what a girl does. Here's how a girl behaves. Um, if you don't make X amount of dollars, then you are a failure. If you have sex before you're married, here's what that means, right? So, so many things might be explicit stated and other things, yeah, they're implied in what it is that we observe, right? I talk about like, you know, we are part of these systems and there's expectations of us, but there's also things that we witness, things that we observe, things that we pick up on that may not have actually been spoken to us, but that we've, that have been imprinted upon us, right? And so as adults and anybody who's watching now, right, I would encourage you to to examine some of your beliefs and see, have they shifted at all? Does something not actually feel in alignment for you? Yeah, it's so powerful, Vienna. And it strikes me that one of the things that I've heard people say is, well, I need to go work on myself and then I can go be in relationship. And I think that's true to a certain extent. But as you said, this is a lifelong endeavor. And one of my favorite quotes, and I'm not going to quote it perfectly, is if you think you're enlightened, go spend a week with your family. So in some ways, yeah, Ramdas, and in some ways, it's the people closest to us that are the most challenging, that trigger us the most. But it, it is, I think, in a way, supportive of that idea of, of, of discovering who you are and being in integrity because those triggers offer windows, right? And so there's a real, you know, in order to know yourself and be in integrity, you have to allow yourself to be in those relationships, be triggered, um, understand your patterns, see what's happening. And I think it's a level of awareness rather than a, let me go become enlightened before I feel that I can be in relationship with others. I'll, I'll say, you know, to a, to a certain extent, right? Like, and I, I want to always asterisk, right? Like if we're in dynamics that are re-traumatizing for us or hold trauma, right? Then, then, then maybe we don't go back into that space. But getting back to where you started, you're right. We get a lot of quotes around, you have to work on yourself and you have to be complete on your own. And right, all of these things need to happen before you can uh, go out into the world and partner with someone else, or you have to love yourself before someone else can love you. I would say it's probably good not to hate yourself, but I don't know that we have to be in this space of like, I fully love every part of myself so that I can now allow another. Um, I believe that there's an incredible amount of healing that we can absolutely do individually, but that relationally, right, is where there are these profound moments and transformational experiences 
that require someone else in that system. I'm sure there are plenty of people who have said this before, but this idea that you know, if it's relationships that wound, right, it requires relationships to help heal. Right? We cannot, we're not in a one person model, right? And that's not, I just don't believe in that, probably because I am a systems therapist, right? But like, you know, we're not this one person model walking around this world trying to figure it all out on ourselves, right? We can certainly go on these individual journeys and, and do deep dives, and there's beauty to that in my opinion, right, there's a necessity to having other individuals in this system, right, in this model in order to continue this work. And I can tell you just from, you know, personal experience, when I met my, my husband, I, I mean, I, I certainly liked myself, right? I was in a position where I, I, I didn't have self-hatred. I, I didn't have a terrible inner critic at that time. But there are certainly parts of myself that when, when those parts would show up, when they would come forward in conflict, for example, I really didn't like that part. And, and the way that she would behave, right? And the, the way in which I would show up in that space felt really gross to me, right? It was, it was I, I talk about this openly where it's like, oh, like so much shame, so, so much disgust, seeing, seeing this part of myself come forward and, and really feeling like that part meant that I, I wasn't lovable. It was, it was so gross, right? That it was just like, why would anybody actually choose you or love you when you're behaving this way, right? When this part of you is, is acting out, when, when this part of you is, is coming forward. And I remember a distinct moment in the relationship where um, he, he held such beautiful space, right? And I, all I felt from him was love. Even when this part of me was, was coming out and you know, needing to be right and proving my point and doubling down and tripling down, I, I do that well. Uh, and, and he was just sort of witnessing and watching and, and, and setting a boundary with me, certainly but like loving me still. And it was this really profound moment in my life where I was like, wow, this is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Where it's like, you are loving a part of me that feels like it's unlovable. And there is healing that really happens in that space. Now it's not like, oh, that part should stay around forever and I don't need to work on that part, I do. But there was something so beautiful about experiencing that moment to be like, oh, I didn't need to be this perfectly healed human who had it all together all of the time, who never did things that were unhealthy or dysfunctional in a system, right? That like through this other human being, right? Was this new belief that I can be flawed, right? That I can do things that felt shameful for me, right? And still be loved by another human being. So I, I use that example because I think it speaks really well to what you're describing here, that, that yes, we can do work on ourselves. We ought to certainly, but that it, there shouldn't be this narrative that we have to do it all on our own before we are allowed to access love, right? Before we're allowed to go out there and actually receive from another person. I want to come back to conflict, Yeah, but I wanted to ask you about what I see a lot, which is, you know, let's say I'm in relationship with someone and there's nothing really wrong. Mm -hmm. There's no abuse. There's no major conflict, but we just feel like we're ships passing in the night. We feel disconnected. And there's just this feeling of, I'm not quite getting what I want. I feel disconnected, but I don't know how to create that connection. What would you say to someone in that position um, to take what isn't major conflict, but just feels a little bit sort of distance? 
Yeah, it's a great question. I think a lot of times when we have these acute moments and things in our in our lives and in our relationships, it's much easier for us to uh, bring attention to it that there is something that is really wrong and, and and needs our attention. And so some of these more subtle subtleties in relationship where we're just disconnected, we're not as close. I would probably start in in the space of what does connection, what does intimacy actually look like for you? And do we have any parts of the self that that struggle with allowing connection and allowing intimacy? Right? If we're describing two ships passing, I vision, you know, two humans who are sort of doing their own thing, who maybe they're working, maybe there's children, and they have their roles and they manage the things that they manage and they have their own individual lives. And these are the things that are, that are happening, but that there aren't these openings, there aren't these spaces where the relationship is actually getting nurtured, right? That the relationship is actually creating space for intimacy to happen. And when I say intimacy, I'm talking about going innermost with self, right? And going innermost with other Right? This, this, right? this like innermost process of what's happening in my inner world, right? what's happening in your inner world. And sometimes we don't know actually how to access that. Right? We're just sort of like, oh, how was your day? It was good, 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 good. Anything happened? No, not really. You know, or here's what I had for lunch or, you know, or it's the facts of the day. Right? The kids did this, the kids did that. Right? And it's, it's just sort of reporting as opposed to actually dropping into what it is that we are feeling. And so I, you know, when, when, I, when I have couples who are in that space or individuals who are in that space, I want to understand what their relationship is to intimacy, to vulnerability, to connection. And what are the fears that we have, the concerns that we have? What are the threats that are present for us when it comes to moving in, leaning in, um, bringing something forward, right? What's the story, right? In narrative therapy, we talk a lot about um, sort of the storyline, right? What's the story that I hold, right? That I have about if I bring this up to you, right? If I, if I move towards intimacy, right? Oh, that you're going to reject me or that you, have, you just don't have any time for it or that your schedule is so busy. And, and so, you know, I'm not going to, I'm just going to feel rejected, um, right? Like we want to tune into what that story is or what that fear is of like, what's going to happen if we actually connect? What will happen if I tell you how it is that I'm feeling? What will happen if I tell you that I am struggling? You know, will I be disappointed in the way that you show up for me or don't show up for me? Right. So we really want to tune into what that resistance serves or what that block serves. Because most of the time when we want something, but we're not doing it, right, that resistance or that block is serving as some form of protection. Right? I'm protecting myself from some story that I have. And maybe that story is made up. Maybe that story is based off of experiences that you've actually had with, this, with your partner. And maybe that story comes from a family system. Right? Maybe that story has an origin story of what was it like to be connected or listened to when I was growing up? What was it like for me to be connected or intimate with a parent? How did they listen to me? How did they show up for me? Right? What's the storyline there? Because these experiences 
and possibly these wounds or these pains that we have, they, they can come with us, right? And they can become, like we were talking about before, sort of this belief that I hold around what happens when I try and do this. And so, yes, what I would say to, to this couple is for us to explore what those stories are, to explore if there are fears or concerns around what it means to connect or be intimate um, to explore the experiences that they've had when it comes to connection, right? Did they never get connection? Did a parent or a caretaker n- never tend to them or only tend to them at certain times when it was perfect for them? You know, we want to really understand, again, these blueprints, these frameworks, both past, right? And then also the ones that have been created out of, you know, the, the relationship that we are, that we are in currently. Yeah. It's so fascinating to hear you talk about this because it's something that I come across in my work all the time. So in a group where we say this is a space of permission to share what's on your mind and in your heart, I see a resistance to telling the truth. And we have to think about what is the underlying reason why we're not saying out loud something that's present to us. And I think for many people, when they share the things that are difficult or shameful, they're concerned about judgment. Sure. And they're concerned that if I share who I really am, then mm-hmm. people will run away or they won't love me or I'll become rejected. Mm-hmm. And what I see again and again and again is exactly the opposite happens. That pe- when people are willing to show themselves, to share themselves, they have much deeper connection to other human beings. Um, And so I think, you know, it's so interesting because the space of permission is very important in my work where we say those things that are spiraling in your head, here's the place where you're allowed to talk about them. And so a funny story, when I got to know you, Vienna, I thought, you know, I have a good relationship with my husband, but I should really go and see Vienna with my husband because then I'll be able to bring up the things that I want to talk about that are difficult to just sort of bring up at the dinner table or in the flow of things, because where is that place that's designated as a place of permission to say, here's where we talk about this. And then I said, silly me, I can create those spaces for myself and my husband. And so we do something where, you know, I ask him three questions. He asks me three questions. So those, those spaces, those containers can be created, but sometimes they have to be created consciously, right? Because it's difficult to go from how was your day to I have this burning thing that I need to share that might be difficult and we need a little space and we need to make sure the kids don't come in and you need to actually listen and focus on me because I'm not talking about my day. This is something where I really need you to, to be present for me. Yeah, that's, it, that's beautiful. And I... I want to acknowledge that you have a partner who wants to be a participant in that and um, and that from that, right? So much, so much beauty can be birth, right? And I, I love that you guys ask three questions. It's a, it's a great exercise. And um, yeah, I, I mean, anybody who's listening, I, I hope that they take that, take that tip from you. Um, I am present to those who maybe don't have that access um, from a partner. And I think it is why groups or therapy can be uh, 
so needed and so special because there is an environment, right? There is a setting, there is a space where there is permission to bring it forward and to trust that there is this container around it. But for those who are craving it, right, from, from, an, from an intimate partner, right, that, that's, you know, that's the part that feels, ugh, it's so heavy, right, when we don't have that in someone else, right, in the, in the one person, right, that, that we crave it from. Yes, I can get it from a, a dear friend. I can get it from, my gosh, strangers, right, entering into a group dynamic, right? I, I, my husband and I lead retreats, and I'm always... Um, Oh, I'm always taken aback by how strangers enter in and then within like, you know, 12 hours, right? There's just this incredible container and people are opening up and sharing and feeling such a sense of safety and security. And right, like, what do we do when I still want this with my partner and that person is not available to it or shut down to it? Um, or won't participate in it. And I think that that space is one of the most frustrating spaces to be. I get a lot of questions like, you know, how do I get my partner to do X, right? And we talked a little bit, like I can't change someone, someone else, right? I can invite them into a space. We can explore in therapy, maybe what those blocks are. And I think that's why a lot of times people will come into therapy is like, you know, I... I am not here to change you and here's the experience that I'm having in the relationship. And this is, this is not working for me, right? Or this is not working for us, right? We can't just stay far apart, right? We can't stay distanced here and feel like we're going to grow together and continue to enjoy and have a pleasurable relationship together. If you are in that situation, if that's your scenario, or you feel like you have a partner who is not engaged and who doesn't want to participate or who is a bit avoidant, you're probably going to have a hard time <laughs> pulling, pulling them in. Um, but what we do want to understand is that something about connection, leading back to that other answer, right? something about connection, something about intimacy is overwhelming to the system. Right. Staying disconnected, staying further away, staying on the surface is easier. And we want to understand why. Right. Maybe there is trauma there. Maybe there is pain there. Maybe there is wounding there. So every time we're like, come on, come on, come on, just do this, just do that. Everybody else is doing it. You know, like that can be blind. Right. And it's important for us to tune into there's always a reason, right, why someone isn't moving in that direction. So our our job is not to yank them right? Our job is not to say, you know, to threaten them, right? Our job is to understand, like, are there associations with intimacy or connection that are actually dangerous, right? For some people in trauma, right? Connection, closeness is danger, right? And here we are, even though, of course, intellectually, we're able to recognize that there are differences between somebody who was maybe harmful or abusive before versus a partner who's just asking for connection. Yes, we get that up here, but might the, might the body, right? Might the system be experiencing that differently? Right. So that's something we really have to tune into. And sometimes it, it requires us working with a professional to navigate that. What about in the moment of conflict? How can we navigate on a short-term basis when probably in that moment of conflict, your, your nervous system is, you know, traumas are being triggered. And how do we, in the short term, you know, what are some basic guidelines that people can use to navigate? First of all, just navigate it and also maybe react in a way or act in a way that's not making the situation worse for the people around you, for yourself. So 
if you find yourself in a regular basis in conflict, it lets us know that we do need to go further back, right? So I'm going to, I know that we probably don't have the time to like dive so into that piece, but if we're in a cycle, right, if we're in a loop, if we find ourselves in a pattern, right, we have a lot to unpack. So I always tell people that we should have some type of framework around conflict, but to talk about it and to create it outside of conflict, right? So when you're good, when you're feeling fine, when you are connected, when things are in a good place, right? We want to sit down and we want to talk about right, what's, what are our rules? You know, what are, what are, yeah, like what are the rules of engagement essentially, right? When it comes to conflict. And yeah, we know that sometimes in those moments they go straight out the window, right? So obviously there's times where we just hit a hundred and it's, it's over, but ideally, right? Can we have rules of how we want to engage with each other and what this is going to look like um, if and when something presents and to talk about what each individual needs in order to take good care of themselves. So for some people, right, it might be to actually pause, to take the time out. Maybe they want to go outside, go for a walk, go for a run, get into nature, um, take a shower, meditate, lay, stretch, whatever, um, right? Tuning into like, what is it that I need in this moment that is going to take good care of my mental, emotional health? Now, why sometimes that can be confronting for another is that if there is an abandonment wound for someone and, and a partner is saying, I need space, right? I need to leave, right? That can activate something. So again, why we talk about this outside of conflict is really important to say, hey, what I need to actually ground and regulate and stabilize myself is X, Y, and Z, right? And so I can maybe predict that if I were to go and do that, that might feel like I'm leaving you. I want you to know I'm not leaving you. I'm coming back, right? So when we take this pause, when we take this timeout, this adult timeout, where we, we do need to come back, right? We do need to create some type of safety and security, ideally, for the system if we have access to it. Again, I know sometimes we're in conflict and we're, we don't have access to creating that. But if we have access to it, we want to do everything in our power to try to create some type of safety and security. We're coming back in. We're going to go reflect. We're going to go journal. We're going to take a little bit of time to just think about what it is that just happened. And then let's come back together when we're down a bit. Right? So I, I do like the concept of creating the rules and regulations of what conflict looks like. What is off limits? Can we also take time outside of conflict to explore the origins of conflict? Right? How did our families fight? What did it look like? What am I afraid of having happen in this space? Maybe we grew up in a family system where everybody just brushed it under the rug and we never talked about it, right? So I need us to talk about it, right? Like, so we have to voice and name what it is that we crave and desire in order to feel safe and in order to feel like we've moved through something. Super helpful, super helpful. I think I've, I've learned this with my kids that we don't talk about the, the, the tantrum during the tantrum. We need to give a lot of space <laughs> before we can talk about it. And then, and then it can be productive. I will, I'll, I'll say one more thing because I, I really love the use of our senses. For me, sound and scent um, are really powerful. So, so maybe putting a diffuser on or listening to classical music, for example, right? Like how does that shift your nervous system? right? How do those things, might you want to put something um, like a fabric on your body that actually feels soothing for you? Um, so, right, so you can play with that a little bit. 
again, I know it's, it's a, maybe a funny thing to think about, right. When we're in conflict, but again, we're having to move the system right into safety. So to play with what are the things that do make me feel safe and grounded. So I, I do like uh, using the senses a bit. I wanted to ask about how you help people navigate. You're, you're, you're helping people navigate how to be in relationship. But how do you help people navigate whether they should be in relationship and how to figure out when it's time to let a relationship go? Yeah, it's such a, it's such a sensitive space to be in. You know, I think a lot of times, I mean, most of our, most of our narratives and messages are that once you are in one, you should try to stay in it. That's what we have been given. And that when it ends, that it's a failure. What, listen, whether this is a marriage or a partnership or you're dating someone, right? Is like the whole point, right? The messaging that we've been like hit with forever is that it starts and you better make sure that it doesn't end, right? Because that's heartbreak and failure, et cetera. We're up against a lot, right? When we're feeling into might this dynamic be something that stops here, that ends here? Might it just be something that has walked me or walked us through a chapter or many chapters of life? I am not a marriage therapist who believes that every relationship needs to stay together. And I know that that might be confronting for some people, right? To hear that there are absolutely times where relationships um, ought to end. And, and that's not always just in cases of abu- you know, abuse or infidelities, for example. Like I think our society has a couple of things that we're like, okay, fine, where there isn't a judgment, right? where it's like, okay, it, it, it's okay for you to leave this person, or it is okay for you to, to end this relationship. We are having to stretch that a little bit. Um, now, of course, it's not to jump at the first sign of, oh, this was hard, so I'm out of here. Right? Obviously, this is a very nuanced conversation. Part of our work is to, to figure out whether or not the staying is our healing or whether the leaving is our healing. Right. That that's so important, right? Like take that in, receive those sentences, right? Is the staying my healing? Is the leaving my healing? And some of us are quick to go and part of our growth there might be to begin to discern or to begin to explore what is so confronting about staying right what is actually being required of us and then for others we might be people who <laughs> head down and no matter what, and we can figure it out and we can do no everything. And we've, we had to be the glue and we're, we're not going anywhere because I have to stay. Right. And, and maybe that is something that extends from a family system role that we had. Right. And so, you know, there's so many questions to explore in this space. What is important in therapy, at least, is that we look at all Right? We, we begin to talk about and we begin to process sort of all these scenarios and understand what is coming up for us there. I wish that I could answer this like more specifically for you, Vanessa, but I, I, it's very hard to um, just because there's so much sensitivity here and I want to be really careful that I'm not just saying, you know, do, do these three things to explore that because each person is so unique and there's such a personal experience story and experience that that lives inside of them that needs just such tenderness and nuance in the exploration of it. I love your answer, Vienna, because 
it's almost the same as all of your answers, right? Which is in all of these situations, we need to take the time and honor where it all comes from. I do want to, because I can't leave this without asking you about sex. So how do you see the sexual intimacy side playing into relationships and how do people, you know, in the context of the process that you've outlined of, you know, knowing yourself, knowing your partner, how does it play in? Oh gosh, it's such a huge, it's such a huge component and, and so easy not to talk about and so easy to find ourselves in that disconnection or just in the pattern, right? That like, okay, we sort of go through the motion and maybe we have sex here and here and on these days, or this is what it looks like, right? But there isn't, there isn't growth, right? That comes from it. Um, and especially, you know, when we talk about sex, we also have to have the conversation of, of desire, right? And fantasy and, and all of that, that, that has to come into play. And <laughs> you, I love that you're like, as you answer every question, I'm seeing the pattern here of like, we've got to go back and <laughs> explore. Um, thank you for, for calling that forward. Um, at least as a start point, right? We want to understand our messages around sex. Um, I named it really actually early on in our conversation of like going through the beliefs, right? The things that were given to us. What did the adults tell us about sex? Might religion be a component here that needs to be explored? Is exploration of the self something that, that where there was permission? Was there something that was shameful about that? Um, past sexual experiences, uh, might there be sexual abuse? Right? Might, be, might there be sexual traumas that are involved? I can't tell you how many people have that experience and partners don't know about it. Very important. I mean, obviously it requires a ton of safety and security to dive into those conversations with another person. But if we don't know the inner world and the inner map and these experiences that are housed right in somebody's body, then we're very blind going into this experience and having expectations or wishes or desires of our, our sexual experience and our relationship. It's very easy, like I said before, to just sort of stay apart and separate and to just go through the motions and have the sex that we have and it's okay enough. And, you know, that's sort of where it ends, but we don't actually explore with each other in a way that is connective, safe, and, and potentially like really transcendent, right? I think a lot of times people will talk about how, you know, sexual experiences can absolutely be these transcendent experiences. If it feels really scary to consider having any of these conversations with a partner, I would encourage doing it with someone else. You know, I would encourage bringing in, uh, you know, maybe it's a sex therapist that, that you work with, or if you're not ready to do that with a partner, right, even just going to a therapist to talk about your own uh, experiences and to become, begin to be with that differently and unpack that differently. Because it is a huge area, of course, of you know, intimate romantic relationship. People in dynamic oftentimes have very different experiences and expectations of it. Um, it's very rare for me to meet a couple who wants sex exactly the same way as the other person, exactly at the same time, right? All of the things, their fantasies match up perfectly. They have no shame, no, right? Like, I don't know if I've met that couple yet. Um, I'd have to think about it. So, so my point is like, we have differences. You know, if we've had sexual experiences before, you know, our current partner sort of remembering that like, 
what came before is not this person too, right? A lot of times, oh, what pleased this other person or what I liked about this experience with another human is not the same, that this is not the same person in front of you right now. And so applying the things that you have taken from the past and applying them to who is in front of you right now is a dangerous path for us to go down. Vanna, this has been such a beautiful conversation. And I think you've provided such an opening for people who want to explore this work. And um, part of the reason we named the talk, Get the Love You Want, is because I know that you and your husband have a course, have an offering called Get the Love You Want. And so um, I wonder if you could just talk about it for, for a minute. Yeah, my husband and I created this course um, because we wanted it to be an accessible thing. So many people don't want to come into therapy or yeah, the consistency, the, the financial component of it is something that's, that's hard for, for many. Um, and so this course is, is a six-week course. You can go at your own pace. You take your time. There's people who do it over a year. Or they do it with one partner and then they do it with another um, thereafter. Um, but we dive into self and relational awareness. In fact, we've probably covered a few of the things that we dive into in the course. But we talk about self and relational awareness. So diving into family systems and understanding many of the origin stories that we talked about here today. And then we also talk about conflict, navigating conflict and moving it from conflict into connection, boundaries, right? Another hot topic that we didn't really touch on too much today. Um, and then also sex and intimacy. You know, there's 12 modules in that course. It's um, videos from us, emails, journal prompts, worksheets, et cetera. Uh, it's a beautiful course. I actually am very proud of the course. And uh, once, we, once we finished it, I was like, this is actually like, there's a tremendous amount of work in, in, in this and value and, and sort of richness to the work. This is literally for any human who is like curious about these components of relationship right? So whether you are single, partnered, widow, it does not matter what the relationship status is. Um, you, will, you will receive the same benefit. Well, I'm personally excited to dive into it. And I wanted to thank you for being with us. It's always such a pleasure to talk to you and to, to hear your wisdom and the warmth with which you share it. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, we welcome you to stay close and discover more of our offerings. Check us out on Instagram at Nushu or visit Nushu.com for more.